As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Thursday, August 11th. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston here with you on today's episode. We asked the question, what the hell are you? What do we mean by that? We're talking about players who, I mean, we know, we know who they, we know what they are. We know their names. We know the roles they inhabit. But when their names come up at draft time, we're just like, I I don't know what to make of what this guy is going to be this season. We've got six names that we are going to get through for you right here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. But first, the two names I got to start with, my two co-hosts of this show, Jake Seeley. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. Uh, Busy, scrambling, catching up from Flex Weekend. I mean, you know, as we talked about on the other show. (laughs) <laughs> I do know how it is. I do know how it is. And hey, man, it's just this time of year. You know, we're talking about a full week of preseason games ahead of us. Like, it's just how things go once we get into the heart of August, especially when we get rid of those August vacations. Right, Brandon Funston? Yeah, I've, this whole week's just been recovery from New York, <laughs> uh, from meeting up in New York and all the uh, – and my God, New York in the summertime. Jake, we got uh-huh. we got to think about moving that flex draft at some point. It, <laughs> it really hasn't been as bad. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a sauna. I walked way too much uh, in New York. So, yeah, a lot of sweating. I, I, even, I, I lived very unhealthily, and mm-hmm. yet I think I still lost weight. So that was you, good. Either you guys Mad Men fans by any chance? Uh, Best TV no. show ever? Uh, yeah, I've watched a season watched of it. it. Could have had that in the hot take episode. Mad Men, best at best TV show ever. But anyways, Ken Cosgrove, <laughs> one of the characters that in one episode says, you know, August and he's like, he's like New York in August. It's a wax museum, right? And that's, <laughs> that's what it, that's what it feels like. It's just everyone's Ugh. melting all over yes. one another with lots of, with lots of there. bad smells going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys, uh, speaking of bad smells, we just don't have any of these guys passing the smell test, or at least we both have two. We all have two guys here who we're just not sure what to do with. They just don't, we just can't figure them out. And maybe you can figure out my guys and I can figure out your guys. And that's what we're going to get into on this episode of the athletic fantasy football podcast. I will give you an example. I will get us rolling with my first guy here. It's George Kittle. I, I like there are there are a, a few things. I, I just don't really know what to make entirely of 
the San Francisco offense. Like I, I'd be willing to bet it's going to be an effective offense. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's Kyle Shanahan. I think they're going to put things together. I think they're going to be pretty damn good. I think that there's an extremely high ceiling for this team and for its offensive production going to Trey Lance. There's going to be some bumps in the road. But, I mean, if this thing clicks the way that it could and you uh, see a Kyle Shanahan run game with Trey Lance at the helm and they're able to start hitting some deep shots that just wasn't in the, you know, was a club that was not in the bag for Jimmy Garoppolo, this could be a really fun team. But I, there are two guys who I'm worried about. It's George Kittle and it's Debo Samuel. And at least I have a good idea of how they'll get Debo Samuel involved in other ways with Kittle. You talk about the injuries. You talk about the fact that he is just an excellent blocker and the routes that he's going to lose to everything he has to do in the dirty work. And then you talk about what Trey Lance brings to the table in terms of pushing the ball down the field more and maybe being a better skill set fit for what Brandon Ayuk does rather than what George Kittle does. You talk about the price tag that's attached to him at the tight end position. We're still talking about someone who's going to you know, be taken in the fourth, fifth round of your typical 12-team draft. I just, I look at all that and I'm just like, you know, a 90th percentile outcome for George Kittle is a very great fantasy tight end, but I just don't know in what way he's going to be fully used in this San Francisco offense with Trey Lance at the helm, and it worries me and has me shying away from him, not because I don't think he's great, but because I just don't know if the George Kittle we've seen in years past, the role that's been there for him, is going to be there for him this season. I'll jump in. Okay. Uh, my question would be, so outside of the injury risk, which is inherent there uh, with George Kittle, we know what that's all about. Like you look at like some of the offenses that have been very run heavy because the quarterback has been, you know, a little bit raw throwing the ball uh, RPO style. Uh, you look at Lamar Jackson and his connection with Mark Andrews and mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts last year and how Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, you combine their numbers in that offense when they went really run heavy. That seems to have worked out. So it, like for me, I'm like, I'm not sure if Brandon Ayuk's a guy that I get really excited about. I could actually see a George Kittle working out pretty well in this kind of a setup. So that's my initial reaction on that, and I'll throw it to Jake. Yeah, I think the thing I want to kind of throw back at you is is this question, who is George Kittle, or is it who is Trey Lance? Because that's like, really what it comes down to. Because, you know, we know who Debo is. Uh, we know what Ayuk can do, and reports about Ayuk have been glowing over mm -hmm. the past week-plus and we know what Kittle can do. We've seen what Kittle can do. But what is the Trey Lance offense? And is it two? Because I've mentioned this time and again and saying the fact is two, two options happen here. One person gets left out and it's two. And then the other person is completely a bust this year for where they're going. Although Ayuk's still going a little bit later. Or all three get dinged. And then all three are technically being overdrafted of where they're going. Because Kittle's still being treated as a top three tight end. Debo still be trading as a top 10 wide receiver and everybody's drafting Ayuk as a fringe wide receiver three. Like unless Trey Lance comes out and throws for 4,000 yards, that's not happening. So I think the bigger question is that's why you have the questions about Kittle. Cause is, does he fit Lance? Does he get left out with Lance because of how Lance wants to play the game? So I think we're going to have to pay attention to people like Lombardi for the athletic and mm -hmm. watch what happens. And if Matt the Ayuk reports are true. Yeah. If the Ayuk reports are true, then I have even more concerns about Kittle. I have Kittle as in behind even Dalton Schultz with I'm drafting because I know who Dalton Schultz is. I know he's the number two for Dallas. And Kittle might be the number three for this team. And that would be So does that put him behind so Waller I, I, as well? It's I, I put Waller behind Schultz. I go I know, but if for me like, go Schultz but Waller, Waller had a Kittle. Kittle. Schultz yeah. Waller yeah, Schultz Waller Kittle. Schultz Waller Schultz Kittle Waller. Schultz Kittle Waller. Oh, Okay. I, I just I, I look at 
I mean, the 49ers are, this is a, this is a smart franchise. This is a very well-run franchise. They have a very smart coach running things. One of the best offensive schemers in the league. They go to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They go to the NFC Championship game last year. Clearly, they were operating with the assumption that you know, Jimmy just cannot put us over the hump and that we need to be perfect. We need to string together these pristine 10, 12, 14 play drives to get into the end zone. And that worked well for George Kittle. I think that vibe very well for what George Kittle does as a receiver. You know, part of the reason you go to Trey Lance is because you can rip off a 40-yard chunk just like that. And now suddenly what needed to be a 12-play touchdown drive becomes a five-play touchdown drive. And I just, I'm not, you know, George Kittle is a great run after the catch receiver, catcher of the ball. But like, I don't know if he's going to be the guy who really threatens the, the defense deep, especially when you consider how much this team wants to run and how great he is in that aspect of the game. And so it just has me a little bit concerned about what George Kittle is going to be this season. And that's why I ask, what the hell are you, George Kittle, in this 2022 season? An excellent real-life player, a key part of the San Francisco offense, a team that I think we should be excited about from a real-life standpoint? Absolutely. A guy who can be that elite or just barely sub-elite fantasy football tight end? I'm not quite so sure that that's in the cards for him this season. So that's what we're talking about. What the hell are you? Jake, why don't you give us our first one here? Your first one here, excuse me. <laughs> My first, uh, what the hell are you? So for me, I'd say Josh Jacobs. <laughs> I think we already had this question. And then preseason game one came around, the Hall of Fame weekend game. And all of a sudden, Josh Jacobs is out there with the backups of the backups and getting all the touches and all the carries and staying on the field for multiple drives. Everybody's losing their mind. I'm like, oh my God, did what the? And then the reports are he did something with Josh McDaniels, coaching wise, that he didn't like, and like that was punishment. Like, I don't know. Like, really, we're gonna punish somebody in the Hall of Fame game? <laughs> like, that's what we're gonna do? And Josh Jacobs of all people. Uh-huh. Like, so we know they didn't up with the fifth year of his contract. We know they drafted a new running back as Amir White. We know that Kenyon Drake's still there, although he's from the Gruden holdover, whatever it might be. There's multiple. Brighton Bolden came in, so. Is Josh Jacobs the clear lead and everybody else is behind him and he's going to be used in the passing game? At least he was used in the passing game while he was out there, so we could say that. <laughs> so is Josh Jacobs 17 to 20 touches per game and undervalued, or is this a full-blown committee and he might be scratching and clawing to be battling for the number one spot? And I think that's got everybody worried. And you see Josh Jacobs, I think, has one of the – biggest variance at running back going anywhere from round three down to round five and six because people are terrified that of what the downside could be yeah and there's there's mcdaniel's dna with new england where that was you know that's par for the course with the with the huge committee i'm not out on josh jacobs as a talent but i am Mm -hmm. a little bit worried and you know they're they're getting trade you know they're getting questions about the trade rumors and stuff and yeah it's like it's I love Josh Jacobs. You guys probably know that through the years, but I, I don't have him anywhere this year because I just am, have no trust level with that new coaching regime. I think this is much ado about nothing. I think we look back on this at week one and Josh Jacobs has got like 18 carries and three targets. And we look at this as like a, a preseason story that was paid way too much attention to. Especially like, like McDaniels being a new guy here and being Josh McDaniels and coming from that New England tree and coming you know know, everyone everyone tries to impersonate Belichick once they get out of New England and it hasn't worked to most of their benefits I don't know I just you know I I, like I I wish I had a little bit more grounding to base this on but I don't know I just I, I am I am not ready to put Hall of Fame game usage 
as a reason to be worried about Josh Jacobs. I just don't I don't see that. Like this is a productive player in a very good offense in what should be an ascending offense after getting Devontae Adams. Like I'm gonna take that shot rather than worry too much about this, you know, something that happened on August fifth. Yeah, well, I guess that's a good segue into my first guy, which is kind of along the lines of Josh Jacobs, and that's Antonio Gibson. I believe they're both going in the general range of each other in drafts in terms of ADP. And, you know, both are kind of dealing with the question marks of a new rookie running back coming in with Jacobs as a here white and, and, you know, with Washington, it's Brian Robinson. You get a lot of like, oh, JD McKissick is back. Well, here's the deal like, Gibson's value is way down but he's been rb13 and rb10 his first two years his first year was way down on the touches he was at 170 carries 36 receptions last year it was high volume to get to 10 a much higher volume but he was dealing with that shin injury forever and we were like imploring that they just rest him for like two three weeks just to keep him out and he battled through so here we are in year three I just don't understand why Antonio Gibson's stock has just completely fallen. And I just wonder if there's a little bit of false, you know, it's like a false narrative here that he's really fallen. And maybe it's it's like Josh Jacobs where we get to the season and he's the, the clear lead. I mean, he's been dealing with J.D. McKissick already for the last two years. So the question becomes, really, how big of a role is Brian Robinson going to have? But if he's going... 20 to 24 at the running back. I still think there's value there. I just, he, he's concerning enough for me. That I'm like, what the heck are we, where we doing here? Kind of along the lines of Josh Jacobs. I just, I don't have him anywhere for that reason. But if I'm leaning one way, I'm saying that we've kind of overblown what's happened with Washington this offseason. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a lot of Gibson now. Uh, it's funny because we were talking about this in the tweet from our old friend Michael Florio was talking about their RB dead zone and that it was deeper this year because of the options there, and he included Gibson and he also included Akers. And I said, some of these names only deserve to be there in the quote-unquote dead zone because if Gibson is here now, and this is why I keep getting him, it's my third running back. It's my flex running back because we're now baking in all of the risk. Like, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the risk is here now. You mentioned it, played through the injury. Uh, before McKissick went down, for everybody talking about they brought back McKissick and it wasn't a lot of usage in the passing game. He had some usage in the passing game. Before McKissick went down, he was top 20 in fantasy, fantasy points per game for running backs and top 15 before McKissick went down and left late in the season. And that's through the shin injury, which you mentioned, Funston, which he left a game because of the shin injury. So you factor all that in, and now they're talking about the Brian Robinson, which from our own Ben Standick has brought up the Brian Robinson stealing goal line touches. So I, I get, I'm with you. I understand. There is risk. Like, what is Gibson? Is he a timeshare running back this year like Josh Jacobs? Or is he back to who he was last year? But this is why I like him, because now people are so scared he's fallen to where it is. If he is losing some of those goal line touches to Brian Robinson, you're just going to get him at cost. If Brian Robinson's a rookie non-factor, you're going back to top 15, top 20 running back, and he should be in the third round. So I'm getting a ton of Gibson. The only downside downside is if he completely loses his job to Brian Robinson, which I just don't think, I think he's Come too on. good for that. Yeah. So I'm with you, Fonson. I understand it. There's a lot of questions either way. You can spin them positively or can spin them negatively. And I think that's why this is a good, like, who are you? But in the fourth, fifth round, I'm going to keep drafting Gibson at this point. Yeah, I think he he definitely lengthens that uh, that group of uh, desirable running backs. Uh, I was out on him last year with where he was going. And uh, for a good chunk of the season, I looked like an idiot because of that. And now there's, I don't know, I just don't see a ton of reason to question what he is to this Washington team. 
We're able to get him so much cheaper this year than we were last year. I mean, it's, you know, double-digit touchdowns, both of the last, uh, both of the, the two seasons he's been in the NFL. He has a 100% success rate at scoring double-digit touchdowns in his NFL career. So, like, that, maybe some changes are coming for this Washington team this season, and maybe that will have some effect on Antonio Gibson, but I feel like we've got a good handle on him, and what it is is you know, a, a screaming bargain at uh, where you can typically find him going, at least right now, as we sit here late in the second week of August, maybe two weeks from now, that'll be a little bit of a change. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go on to Jake's second. Who the hell are you? What do you got for us here, Jake? Yeah, I say, who the hell are you? Dallas Goddard. I mean, like, how many? I'm. I was already out. You guys know this. I was like done with Dallas Goddard last year, but we're like we're doing it again. It's every single year. Is Dallas Goddard so talented? Dallas Goddard like can do so much in the passing game, and he does so much when he's out there. And like, but Dallas Goddard just feels remarkably inconsistent. And like, this is just who he is. Like, yes. We've seen the talent, and we've seen single-game samples that say, wow, if Dallas Goddard was the number one or number two on any team, he could be a top three tight end in the Kittle, in the Kelsey. Like, we've seen the glimpses of it. But every single year, it's just another excuse. It's just another, well, you know, the quarterback play wasn't great. Well, he wasn't the number one. Well, he was banged up. Well, he was – like, it's excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And for me, like, is he more than what he is or is just this who he is, which who he is is fine. And then keep drafting him as the sixth, seventh, eighth tight end off the board, which is fine. But it's the it's the who are you that can you ever do more? Because he wouldn't be the first running back to ever not do more. Uh-huh. Like I always pull in the Lamar Rob or Lamar Miller comparison at running back. I always want him to do more. And it's just that's who Lamar Miller was like just face facts. This is who he is. It's not a bad thing. But is is there really reason more? I know Brandon. You, I think you're like one of the biggest Dallas Goddard fans out there. So tell me, like, is who is he? Can he ever be more? Well, he was pretty good once Ertz left. And the problem is they saw, they went out and got AJ Brown. Like if they hadn't made that deal and they just See, dro- another excuse. No, I'm, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> no, but he's legitimately the number three now in one of the most run heavy offenses in the league. If he's a legit number two, because I think he would have been, um, then I would. But, you know, it was a complete buzzkill, that trade. Uh, this was, I felt like, going to be the year of Dallas Goddard with Zach Ertz gone, being kind of legit number two. Now he's the clear number three. And do I need to get Dallas Goddard over, like, Zach Ertz a few tight ends later? Like, no. Like, there's nothing compelling. He's in a class that's after that those top, you know, six where you got Schultz, Waller, and Kittle. He's in that next class, and it's like, mm-hmm. I would – Probably, you know, 
on value. If he's like going number seven, I'm wanting Hawkinson or I'm wanting Ertz after him at value if he's going later than Goddard, which is a bummer. I like Dallas Guy. I think he's a good talent. I just hate the situation. So for what it's worth, last year he played 10 games without Zach Ertz. And in those 10 games, he played to a 17-game average of 70 catches, 1,044 yards. Yeah. Three but, touchdowns, but, you know, whatever. But, but, but the A.J. Brown factor just kills things. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, exactly. So I'm saying, he, like, it's, it's more, you know, your point, Funston, about the way he produced without, um, without Zach Ertz was there. But you do have to worry about what happens now with AJ Brown. Like you say, a clear number three in the passing year. Right? Like we're like this is AJ Brown, Devonte Smith are going to be one, two in targets for this team, right? I'm impressed with how quick you did the math on that. While we're just kind of going back and forth, that was, that was nice. Pro Football Reference did the math for me, but I appreciate your confidence in my brain power. <laughs> Extrapolated the numbers out over 17 games. I don't think Pro yeah. Football did they did that. Okay. Yeah, if you, you go to game logs and you highlight two endpoints, it'll give you that. Oh my gosh! I need to go. I need to go to Pro Football Reference 101. It's cool. <laughs> I, I didn't have that in my bag, so it's a whole new world. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, I like. I think you know Jake's point about like there's so, so often that we want we want players to be more, and sometimes we just have to accept that this is who they are, that what they've shown us is who they are. I mean, this is going to be Dallas Goddard's fifth year in the league, right? Like. At some point, you do have to say, like, if it were, if we were going to see more, we would have seen it by now. There was a point I made about Russell Gage, and that was before Julio Jones uh, signing there and about the good news on Chris, God- or Chris Godwin's injury. So, you know, that obviously changes things. But, like, eventually you just got to say, this is who the guy is. Like, opportunity, context, environment, whatever. Like, eventually, you know, cream is going to rise if it, if it has the ability to do so. And so maybe this is just what Dallas Goddard is, which is a very productive tight end, but not quite the fantasy tight end that so many people believe he can be. Uh, Funston, why don't you take uh, your second one here as we uh, head uh, round third and head for home? Yeah, this is a classic what is he is he a running back is he a wide receiver does it matter on what might be the worst offense in the league like Cordero Patterson you know what is he I've, I've seen him go in the 20s at the running back position I've seen him go in the 40s and I'm not really sure what to make of it I'm not really sure to make of what Tyler Algiers role is I'm not really sure what to make of does it matter um it's Marcus Mariota like if he's more involved in the passing game that might not be that great like it it's He's just one of those guys that I think has, uh, you know, potential for a lot of volume because who else is there, right? There's mm-hmm. a rookie, Drake London, it's Kyle Pitts. But, man, in any team where you're, like, top three in total touches, like, that's worth something normally. But it might not be in this offense and in this situation. And I don't know. Could he could he break into the top 30 running backs? Yes. Could he be outside the top 40? Easily see it. And if that's the case, if there's such a huge discrepancy between potential ceiling and floor, I'm just going to absolutely stay away. I don't think there's much more to add to that. I mean, mm-hmm. just Tyler, I mean, yes, Tyler Algier lasted as the eighth running back on the depth chart as of today because this is what teams do. But um, <laughs> the, the truth is, like, if Algier is the lead or even it's Williams, I mean, like, just say, like, if somebody else is the lead and Cordell Patterson is part of the puzzle, then real life, sure, fine. Uh, fantasy purposes, unreliable. Is he going to be deployed more as a receiver this year? Like, we saw what happened to Cordell Patterson last year when they changed how they used him midseason. We went from being super excited to being like, all right, well, I guess he's still a flex play in most leagues. Right. So, and if he's okay, he's a flex play in most leagues, then he's kind of like not really super desirable. So, <laughs> I get why Funston brought him up. I felt like I was 
the crazy one and the fact that I have him outside my top 30 running backs because I don't, I, there's plenty of other options who either have a clearer path or, you know, depth chart assumption, like depth. Damien Pierce, we talked about yeah. the last show. Like, I was going to bring like, him up. He's a perfect example of someone you'd like, rather I'd veer rather towards. I'd rather have Pierce, yeah. just because. Without and that's question. the thing. I think that's part of it too. Is like, what's the end game? What's the ceiling for Patterson? Is what mm-hmm. we saw last year. And I know. Well, okay. Well, Cordell Patterson was a top twelve running back, but re- do we really believe that's going to have any scenario where that comes to fruition again this year? And I think ninety five percent of people say no. I mean, there's a reason why he put up as productive a year as he did last year, and he's going where he is in fantasy drafts this year. And I think that, you know, the end of the season left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, and it's understandable. It's totally understandable why that would. And you, see, you think about you think about a larger role for, for Kyle Pitts. You think about them getting Drake London involved in a big way. All those running backs who are on the roster, maybe he doesn't lead the team in carries. You know, the 69 targets he had a year ago, maybe that ends up being a little high, like – Everything here, like I think, I, like, I feel like I do know who Cordell Patterson is, and it's going to be like one of those, like you know, five years from now, we're going to be like, remember that twenty twenty one Cordell Patterson season? That's going to like that's going to be the joke we all tell to ourselves in you know twenty twenty seven or something. And we, if you were there, you know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but like that's, I feel like that's who he is, and that's what we're going to be looking at this season. So uh, Cordell Patterson not finding himself onto too many of my teams. I've got one more for us here, guys, and then I'm going to wrap things up on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It's a big name. Aaron Rodgers, what's going on here? Two-time reigning MVP, QB 11, QB 6 in those two seasons. Obviously, we know the running's not going to be there. We all know how important running is in the fantasy football world. Like, so my question isn't like, is Aaron Rodgers going to be a top five fantasy quarterback this year? It's like when we get into the group of like Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr, like, do I want to take those guys over Aaron Rodgers, even though I'm pretty confident Aaron Rodgers is a better real life quarterback by a magnitude of a hundred than both of those guys still? Because I think I do. I just, without Devontae Adams, I just wonder what this Packers team is is going to be this season offensively. They're still going to operate at a high level because it's Aaron freaking Rodgers. But, like, is it going to be the level that pushes Rodgers to comfortable QB1 fantasy seasons? Like, I want to say yes because it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, how, how is it not going to be a QB1 season comfortably? It's Aaron Rodgers. But I look at the way that I think this team is going to try to win games and the way that they've built themselves and very good defense – a really maybe the best one-two punch in the backfield in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. You lose your best red zone weapon in Devontae Adams. You lose, you know, maybe the best receiver in the league. You're gonna fill that in. You're gonna patch the holes with Alan Lazard and Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs, apparently, and everything that's going on there. But is that 35 touchdown? season there for Aaron Rodgers this year like I just I don't know what to make of him I want to draft him when I'm looking at him against Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins because of course I do and I have trouble doing it I just do I don't know what to do with this one you guys yeah I think you know it's a little bit of how much can you trust that he can still do what he did for like Antonio Freeman Robert Brooks and Jordy Nelson and and James Jones where you're taking guys that aren't obvious you know like they're mid-rounders and making them stars and he has to do it now at the in the twilight of his career making these guys into stars because I mean honestly this might be the most unassuming wide receiver crew in the league it's right up there, well you know. well I mean go, there's talent go a couple uh, hundred talent. miles south to Chicago oh, yeah yeah the Bears the Bears <laughs> yes the coulda woulda shoulda crew yeah. there For, like everyone's injured now too yeah, David Ec- Moore got hurt uh, earlier this week and Nikhil Harry's hurt and uh, Brian Pringle's hurt 
That's yes. why they drafted Velas Jones, who got hurt. <laughs> Darnell Moody's yeah. getting 200 targets this year, you guys. That's why I said one of. It's not the <laughs> number one, but it's, it's a low It's a low, you know, bar for this team in terms of wide receiver talent. But, uh, you know, or unrealized talent. I mean, Christian Watson, we'll see, and, and Rona mm-hmm. Dubs has been a star. But it's really about how much do you trust that Aaron Rodgers can still create magic out of these guys that weren't, like, yeah. obvious prizes in the NFL draft. And I'm a that, little like, bit concerned. I, but I like it's, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron yeah. Rodgers, the true master of the quarterback arts. Like no one, no one who has watched any sort of football and just understands sports can sit here and say that anyone other than Tom Brady is the greatest because of those. I mean, those accomplishments that overwhelm any sort of argument, as they should. But well, like, if I, just... I need a dude to like roll out and like throw against his body and hit like a forty-yard dart on the sideline, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, I mean, and so like, I I want to believe that he's going to turn all these guys into you know into like basically the the greatest hits, right? Of James Jones and uh, and, and Jordy Nelson, but like, yeah, look it's at just... what Derek Carr's working with, and I look at what Matthew Stafford's working with, and it's like I kind of want to just go with those guys. Well, I, I just want to really throw this out there. Has and may, I don't know if you guys can remember this or not, but has there ever been a time when he hasn't had like a a guy that he's had a track record with coming into the season? They've had like you know they've struggled with wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes, but there's always been yeah. a guy that he can it's just like. Been. You know, play catch right. in the dark with pretty much. You know, like like Devonte Adams or Jordy Nelson. There was always one guy that carried over from the year before. Yeah. Greg that Jennings. Was, but he has right. nobody that there's like yeah. this obvious chemistry with. So I think that's Randall the Cobb. first time that I can remember it being Randall like Cobb. this. Randall yeah. Cobb. Well, Randall Cobb's the guy. How old is Randall Cobb now? Like he's <laughs> I mean, he's he's the guy. <laughs> Maybe maybe he's the value maybe he's the value play here. Yeah. I think he's always had those. It's just at different points of their careers. Like there's been some seasons where they've been on the downturn, or like you know, like even Adams hadn't fully realized this potentially. But anyway, point being, it's like yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I think what you're mentioning is the the downside is that well, you have the two years where he throws for only twenty mid twenty touchdowns, and then because unlike Derek Carr, he's not throwing forty eight hundred yards. It's just also that his entire career. I mean, how many times did he throw over forty four hundred once? Two thousand eleven, it looks like forty six hundred. He's got forty four and change twice, but most years it's. 4,000, 4,200, 4,100, 4,000. Like that's, he lives in that range because he's efficient and he gets on and off the field and he gets down there and scores touchdowns. But mm-hmm. it's not always him. Those two years, 2018, 2019, 25 and 26 touchdowns. And if he has that kind of season instead of 35 to 45 touchdowns like he has the past two years, actually 37 and 48. Now you're talking about ridiculous. a back-end QB1, <laughs> and honestly, you know, Stafford outdoes him, and if Stafford's more comfortable this year with his tennis elbow or whatever's going on, mm-hmm. you know, I'll take Stafford over Rodgers because it's going to all be on his arm, as you mentioned. He ran for 101 and 149 yards the past two years. It's just he happened to get three rushing touchdowns instead of one or two. So, yeah, I think it's a valid question, and I think that's why you see Aaron Rodgers falling down to QB9, 10, 11. And I, I pff, go back to the other show. I'll take Trey Lance over him. There you go. And like that's like <laughs> only in a fantasy football context could we say that and everyone's like nodding along like yeah, yeah, that that adds up. That makes sense and that's just why Aaron Rodgers is one of the true mind pretzels for me this season. <laughs> just absolutely crazy what's going on with uh, the guy who is, you know, still you know, are quite quite possibly the most talented pure football talent quarterback that we have in the NFL. That's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. You guys, thanks so much for being with us here on this one. For Jake and Funston, I am Michael Beller. Have yourselves a great weekend. We're back with you next week. See ya.